Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Alex Bondar. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. So how did you become a neuromarketer that term it seems like new to me but it is possible it's been around forever but it just seems new to me yeah so I had a little bit of a crazy um, a little bit of a crazy story as to how I got here so I had the typical childhood um, a little bit you know there's a ton of people with struggles a lot worse than me so I won't get into any of that, but grew up with a single parent, went the traditional, what I call the good boy route, right? I wanted to go to school for CGI because I was fascinated by the movie Avatar and, you know, all the Marvel movies were starting to come out. Spider-Man and Batman were launching and all these amazing CGI effects were just mind blowing. And after, you know, going to my parents and going to my girlfriend at the time, being like, okay, I think I really want to go to school for CGI. I went through the art programs at my high school and was like, all right, like I've got this, I've got all the prereqs, I'm starting to learn it. And I love doing that process. Um, They were like, absolutely not. Right. I went through the journey. I did the reps and they said, you know, there's no way you'll ever be able to make any money being a CGI artist. You know, Hollywood's going to really phase these computers out. Society's not going to really adapt them. And it really just is a fad similar to what a lot of them said about the internet too. Right. So out of spite being an angsty 18 year old boy from the Midwest, I said, well, I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick the hardest science major I can find then and go down that path, just being kind of spiteful. And I ended up inside of Ohio state's neuroscience program. And I actually ended up falling in love with it. I fell in love with the process of learning about the brain, learning about how, how, how influenceable we are around our biases and what, what words can do, you, starting to study uh, neurolinguistic programming, learning about social psychology and how, all, how we interact with technology at scale. And I actually got swept up into a subsection of neuroscience called psychopharmacology, which is understanding how the brain is affected by drugs, both internal and external, anything from water or kale, all the way up to hard methamphetamine or cocaine. Anything inside of that spectrum, I fell in love with the idea that chemicals, both interior and exterior, can affect the way that we perceive reality and that we engage with our world around us. So I went through that program, and on my senior year, I had a near-death experience where I was uh, out cold for two and a half minutes without oxygen and not breathing. And it was during then that I got pulled out of the idea that, hey, I could probably go and be a neurosurgeon and go down this path because it was an unknown illness that they still haven't been able to fully diagnose, but it's happened multiple times now in my life, uh, there'd be no way that I'd ever get insured or licensed to do that type of practice. So after that experience, I was really kind of searching for answers. I, you know, went down the path of hallucinogens, breath work, meditation, yoga, and a buddy of mine that I'd been friends with since early high school was like, you know, you should really try Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I got in, I started training with him rolling. I'm, I'm six, five, man. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit of a big boy. I've, I got two forty on me when I'm stacked on muscle and I'm six, five, like there, there's a lot to me. And a lot of these guys that are like 
five four five five are just bending me over and just cracking me left and right and i'm like what in the world is going on and after a while of training the guy that was our that was leading the gym he said you know there's another guy that trains here you really haven't met him yet he comes in on tuesday mornings and uh he's really the same size and build as you and you know you guys would be great sparring partners so I waited, him and I met, and uh, after a few training sessions, he cracked me with a right right knee into my floating rib. And, you know, after, if you've ever been hurt or uh, hit, it's, real, it's a real painful shot. So he was like, you know, man, I'm really sorry about that. How would you like to come and float? Because I, I run a float center. And, I, you know, I'd heard about floating on Rogan, but I had never really given it any, any real thought. But I had known from research a little bit and from listening to Joe talk about it, that there was, you know, a lot of therapeutic benefit to it. So I took him up on it. I tried it and I started floating there. And after that healing process had kind of happened, I asked him, I said, you know, how would you feel about, you know, me picking up a part-time shift here just because I want to be able to float, but I can't afford paying all this money every few weeks to come and float to try to heal this rib. And that's what I started working there. And after about two months of being there him and I were sitting as the doors were or as the shift was closing and the doors closed up for the night having a uh, vodka tonic and he was like you know man I got to be honest with you we're we might be shutting down the doors to this place in a few months and I said really it's getting that bad huh he was like yeah like I've never really been able to figure out the digital marketing side of this and you know I really need somebody to figure this out otherwise we're going to be in really bad shape so I started digging into uh, the digital marketing side of it, finding courses, hiring um, a few experts that were quote unquote gurus right in the space. This is back in uh, mid-2014, mid-2015 when this was happening. So there was a bunch of people out in the space that were like, if you give me a thousand dollars, I'll show you how to run Facebook and Google ads and you'll be taking products from Alibaba or selling your services at 5,000 X what you're investing into these platforms. And dumb, ignorant me was like, you know what, that might not be a bad idea for me to learn this. And it was in that process that I started to learn digital marketing. But I saw in that I saw a lack of knowledge from a lot of what they were talking about, because it all came back to copy about what they're actually saying to their customer and what they're actually offering. And if if the client or if their customer saw value and they saw the value exchange and I started to put the pieces together of like, oh, this is a lot of what I learned inside of my psych and neuroscience programs. So I started digging into it and there's actually a field out there called consumer neuroscience. And of course, marketers love to give a little twist to it. So as I started learning more, consumer neuroscience is really the academic approach where big brands like Apple, the NFL, Nike, they love putting their customers inside of fMRI machines and having them look at websites, having them feel their fabric. Uh, brands like Frito-Lays and Dannon. Dannon's notorious for putting people inside of fMRI machines and having them eat their yogurts. Like it's just weird stuff that you wouldn't think about, but we learn so much about consumer behavior when we do that. And what's cool about this whole process is that when these big brands hire academic, essentially researchers to come in and do this, because those are the few people in the world that have these big fMRI machines and have access to this technology, they go out and they publish these papers. So all you do is you look for the, you know, who's funded these papers. You start to see that it's these big brands doing this research and it just ends up living on an academic shelf somewhere. So when I was going through this journey of finding this, I realized, holy crap, like there's a ton of information out there that nobody's really applying. 
And there, as I've learned more, there's probably about two or three of us inside of the United States that really do this. There's a few over in Europe and one and two inside of uh, South America regions. But it is a field that is starting to grow. And the neuromarketing field is really, really important for a few reasons. One is because especially as we come into this new age of economic growth and economic recession, even a little bit, marketing dollars have to work better for us. They, we can't have the fraudulent spending that we used to be able to have up through the last three to four years and just let marketing kind of take its backseat and do what it wants to do. We're coming into a spot now where understanding your customer psychology has become so important because your marketing dollar has to go further now and in the next six to 12 months than it ever has, most likely in the lifetime of how long that business has actually been there. So how did you end up without oxygen for two minutes? <laughs> yeah, so I've, I have an unknown airborne allergy, and it's hit me a few times in my life. Uh, but the first time I, I was in college, we were uh, I was going to meet a bandmate at Starbucks, you know, playing guitar, being a weirdo and being a nerd. Um, going to Starbucks, meet over and go over some chord charts for a gig we were getting ready to play that fall. And I, on my way there, I was like, man, I just I feel weird. I feel off. And I was starting to get there and like my eyes were burning and itchy and I could feel my throat swelling up. And she was actually in the medical program at Ohio State. And thank God, because she knew kind of what to do and what to look out for. So she we were only about a block and a half away from her apartment. She said, come back to my apartment. I've got Benadryl. I've got some other antihistamines. We need to get some drugs in you now or else this is going to get real bad real fast. So we ended up going back to her apartment. And the second I walked into her door, I fell flat first out of lack of oxygen and it was gone and lights out. And then within about 30 seconds of that being the case, uh, she knew she had to start doing CPR immediately and trying to get my airflow back. Um, and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. Wow. That's quite the story. That's amazing. It, it's incredible how random people come into your life, right? This girl that I met in a random statistics class that we ended up gelling with fairly well actually ended up going to school to become uh, a medical professional. And then her and I, that without meeting her and having that relationship, I don't know if I'd be here. So you never know what happens, right? True. So you touched on this earlier. What is neurolinguistic programming? Yeah, NLP is just understanding that there's patterns to the way we speak and that our brain likes to receive those words in certain patterns to get a certain result. It's the easiest way I know how to describe it. There's a ton of um, good and bad research inside of that field, um, but it is a growing field and it's some that we're able to start to research more and more with the technology that's becoming more easily accessible for us. And can you explain what floating is? You mentioned that uh, you did that for a period of time. Totally. So floating is also called a sensory deprivation tanks. They look like big egg-shaped wombs. Um, and it really is a really transcendent experience if you ever take, get the opportunity to go and do it. You're in about uh, 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt. And you have about 11 inches of water inside of this tank. It's heated to skin temperature. The air inside of there is regulated to skin temperature as well. It's soundproof. And when you shut the lid, there's no light that can get in there. So really you're in what's called a rest state, which is restricted environmental stimulus. Um, and within that therapy setting, you can really start to do some cool things. You'll notice that it's almost like a deep meditative state. 
to where your brain will really start to find reasons to give itself stimulus. It'll start having thoughts and you'll notice, hey, all I'm doing is just spinning in these thoughts consistently. But it's great for therapeutic benefit. There's a ton of people with fibromyalgia issues that use it regularly. Joint and back pain, it's phenomenal for And for people that want to explore their mind a little bit and start to understand some of the levers that are going on behind the initial conscious layer, what's really going on inside of that space? So the state of rest is what helps with the healing process? Yeah, it also puts your brain into an alpha and theta state, uh, which is really cool as far as how you can balance back and forth between the two. Can you expound a little more on consumer neuroscience? Yeah, that's just the uh, basic academic term for the idea of putting putting consumers into different uh, measuring techniques, into different scientific studies around why do people buy what they buy? How do we consume websites? Is there a way that we should lay out websites or lay out offers? Or a really great example, uh, let's use the one from Dannon. Dannon is one of the biggest supporters of neuromarketing outside of Amazon and the NFL and Apple. So Dannon put people inside of an fMRI machine and gave them a yogurt and a spoon. Now, Maurice, you've, you've eaten a yogurt in your life plenty of times, I'm sure, right? <laughs> True. All right. So Dannon had the question. Dannon approached a university and said, we want to figure out what the best experience part of eating a yogurt is. Okay. Now, we've all done it. We've, we crack back that lid, right? We dip the spoon and we mix up all that fruit concoction at the bottom, all that sugary goodness. We put that, that fatty sugary stuff in our mouth and we pull the spoon out and we're happy, right? We're happy with that bite. It's exactly what we wanted it to be. What do you think the best part of that experience inside of our brain was? The, maybe the anticipation. The anticipation is part of it, but within that, like what action within that anticipation is really going to drive the best experience for happiness? Um, I'm not sure. So they put people inside of an fMRI machine and studied and learned that it's when you peel back the lid of the yogurt. Mm. And this is where we get into the idea of like oddly satisfying sounds. Um, there's a field or like a subset within this called a neurological imprint signal or NIS which is the same thing of like the Kringles crunch, like Pringles have done a ton of research on this too. Like what's the most satisfying part of eating a Pringle? It's when you put multiple together and crunch it inside of your mouth. Mm. So big brands study this because specifically within consumer product goods, like how do we get people to use more of our product, but also how do we market to them in the way that it's already hitting all those good signals in the brain or those dopamine pathways to be able to give them the best experience possible with our product. So that's, so during, I, I recognize during commercials, right? Since you mentioned uh, chips moments ago. So the crunch seems to be louder. Mm, yeah. Right. So they are actually doing that in the marketing, but, you know, we lay people are not, you know, privy to what's going on. And you're, the constant exposure to these things really draw us uh, to consume. And we really don't even know what's happening, you know, uh, what's being engineered by them. Yeah, and it goes on across all different, not just within chips, but 
chips are a really great example of that, right? You'll hear the crunch, you'll hear, mm, yeah, and then it's followed up by music. The music in the background, you know, they're really specific about when the beat hits or, you know, what's happening with the cuts, what color and what's the motion. The best brands out there right now understand how to hijack the subconscious mind of their consumer. And you'll notice that they'll use, they'll try to incorporate as many of the senses as they possibly can into that commercial, because the more senses they can get you to imagine, they're putting you into what's called uh, future pacing. So the idea that I'm actually going to do this myself puts me into the state that I already have the product and I'm already experiencing the happiness that they're telling me I'm going to experience by eating or having their product. So... You mentioned the NFL being one of the top in marketing. How do they market? You know, it seems like their brand is just what it is. Yeah. So the NFL is notorious for cranking up the volume on crashes because violence is super exciting for human beings, right? Violence is what got us to a different evolutionary standpoint within our, within our human genome life cycle. So even though violence may not be what people want it to be inside of our society, uh, the NFL is still a very violent, violent business, right? People, it's one of the highest rates of concussion. Uh, we see some of the highest rates of brain damage coming out of that program. But you'll notice that they'll amplify the sound of the crashing together because it signifies a little bit more violence and it gives us a little bit of more of an adrenaline boost. So even though their commercials may not have the active um, you know, neuromarketing process, how they market their entire business because we truly believe that marketing is a game of memorization. They get you to memorize those sounds hitting together more frequently than they would, you know, the sound of them running, right? Like they're not going to put this, they're not going to put the microphone on the shoes in the grass to hear the shuffling. They're going to put you on the helmet where the action is. So you can hear that loud crack and it really jolts the system. It provides that little bit of adrenaline boost while you're watching that helps feed dopamine because dopamine is going to come in on the back side of that and tell you to learn that pattern of behavior. Uh, dopamine gets a really bad rap for that, but all it is there is to do is just to reinforce patterns of learning. So if it learns, hey, there's, there's a violent activity and there's a loud sound, I have to pay attention to not only that event, but what happens after it. So what, the, what they're really smart about doing is putting helmet crashes, and even inside of some of their commercials, you'll see the helmet crash because we had the visual stimuli in our head over time, if you're an avid watcher, has been trained to hear that crashing sound. So they know, hey, if I put a good ad here or a top paying advertiser here, then I know their products are going to sell more during that time slot. Do you believe social media has helped gain uh, more data for these uh, big companies? Oh, Absolutely. Um, big tech has been monumental in learning a lot of this. So, I mean, TikTok now even measures down to the microsecond as to how long you hold on to the content before you scroll, because it matters that much as to how they change your algorithm as to what to serve you. So I believe uh, now, right now in the present moment, I believe people's attention span are shorter versus going back to maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, I'm, I, there's a lot of people that are studying that. I'm not an expert in any of that side of it. 
Um, but what I can say is that human attention has always been vulnerable. It's what's kept us alive. It's what allowed us to evolve. It's the people in the cave that heard a weird sound at night that allowed us to evolve and mature inside of the genetic process to come into who we are today. So attention has always been, um, attention has always been fleeting and very based on novelty. So it's part of who we are. It's just technology and companies have found a way to make it more sticky for us. So they can take advantage and put more ads or put more marketing in front of us. I say that because now, right now in the modern era, we have a cell phone. This is generally speaking, not everybody on earth has one, but generally speaking, a lot of people have cell phones. We have a TV and we have, Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we have, um, you know, all these different things. And we have Pandora, we have iHeartRadio, then we have our computers, and then we have video games. And so many, so much stimuli now in this modern era versus going back even maybe 30 years ago, um, we didn't have as much. So it's like every thing that we touch is is uh, gathering data on us it's like and we have these alexa and you have google you know do this do that and it's really uh, i guess it's a good thing in some ways but also it depends on who's using that data and why are they using it just to gain you know gain the access to be able to sell more things to us but um, yeah, that's why I say that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely running a business, right? Social media and big tech companies aren't in it out of the kindness of their hearts. They really are here to make money. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, the platforms are free. So there's been alternative solutions that have been proposed as far as paying for social media platforms. And you know, that means that you don't necessarily have to run as many ads, but it also means that information and adaptation into those platforms move slower because there's a barrier to entry. And the same thing with Alexa and all these other technology pieces, right? We're paying for them to be there in the ease of convenience, whether it's convenience that I get to escape faster out of my current state of being, which is what a lot of social media and, you know, television is. I'm escaping out of my current reality into a new world. Um, we're all craving, we're all craving escapism in some way. They've just really honed in on better ways to do it than others. Uh, you mentioned the acronym CGI earlier. What, what's that acronym stand for? Yeah. Computer generated imaging. So like when uh, avatar came out, that was all the uh, computer generated imaging for that movie to take place. Okay. And you initially, you wanted to, you know, do that and you found, that that wasn't going to be your passion and you got into, you know, neuromarketing. So yeah. are you, so are you working on anything in particular right now? Yeah, we work with a lot of e-commerce brands to help them really push and scale. So um, what I found Maurice was that pe people that are business owners are really some of the best people that can help turn America around right now. And this, that's really been my crusade for the last three years with this is the American business owner is here to help in so many different ways outside of just 
you know, we saw the issues with logistics and distribution over the last year, right? The media was all over the place saying that, you know, shipping times are delayed. If you don't settle for your Christmas gifts by the beginning of November, there's no way you're going to get them. And for a lot of people this year, that was really true because we saw what happens if we are dependent upon other countries to get us what we need. But America, American business owners are more important than just timeliness on this. I think that deep down, we really have a cultural issue inside of America that business is fixed. We spend a third of our life at work. And the idea that culture can stem top down from a business owner as to traditional values as to how things should be done, right? The idea that you treat others how you want to be treated, that there's loyalty towards brands, that you support the people that are impacting your local community, and that in order for our local communities to thrive, we have to invest into the local businesses that help make it possible. I feel like a lot of that has gotten lost in the recent years out of this idea that Amazon really kind of shapes specifically, which is this two-day shipping model. We really got this high sense of urgency of like, when I purchase something online, I need it now. So what I've been working with a lot of business owners on is how do we create unforgettable experiences? So from a marketing lens, we're really chasing the last great experience that we had, right? It's what our subconscious is always chasing as a new state of happiness, a new state of remembering something that's better than our current state because it helped us survive. It helped us thrive, you know, throughout our entire evolutionary history. And that system never went away. It's still there. So how do we help businesses create those extraordinary experiences that are unforgettable? So the business that actually gets driven here is by our local communities for our local business owners all around the United States. And that way we can help re-stimulate the American economy. So that's what I've really been working on for the last three years, you know, getting better at our craft, helping business owners pull some of this research out of academia and actually start to use it. Because if the big companies are going to spend their dollars to use it and it's just going to sit on a shelf for somebody to pick up and read, uh, I'm willing to be that person. And so is my team to take that information and actually start to apply it and help the small and medium-sized businesses out there. So giving this information to smaller businesses is going to really help um, turn things around for America. Yeah, it's not just the education part, right? And this is what America has been really great at throughout its lifetime that I would love to see, you know, really get reinstated, which is that we're workers, right? And you're, I, I, I truly believe that you would think this way too, that what got America here was hard work and sweat equity, right? It wasn't just the information, but it really was people that came here knew, hey, this was a land of opportunity. I have to put in my work. I have to do my fair share, but at least I'll have the equal opportunity here to be able to possibly see that a result pan out for me. And I've never met a successful person who wasn't willing to put in the work. And I'm seeing more and more of that happen now because we've seen what's happened when we take the easy and lazy way out of things. Yeah, um, I things have changed over the years, so it's important to get back to the foundation. Like you said, the foundation is here, but there are a lot of other things that make it seem as though it's not here. And that's, you know, getting back to those experiences, because I uh, had something done to my car maybe a couple weeks ago and. I had some work done and I went into the shop and I pointed out something that was uh, poor workmanship. And immediately the representative 
started being defensive and making up excuses and simply lying to mm. me. And I was I was taken aback. And then I had to point out what, you know, what the truth was. And they kept on, you know, with the same thing. And it created a lousy experience instead of him, you know, really taking the customer, you know, dealing with the customer in front of him and being like, okay, let's see how I can make things right or rectify this issue. So it's important for I think it's a good work that you're embarking upon to, um, you know, help, you know, those who would like to be helped, which I think a lot of people do, but they just um, the information they have right now or just them is not a good thing. Yeah, I. Un- unfortunately, I see more and more of it. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we all do. Everybody that's listening, we we all remember that one bad experience. Right. And we call it the one guy syndrome. Right. There's always that there's always that one guy in our <laughs> life inside of the deli somewhere that made that experience awful. And even though we could have had a 100 great experiences or even OK experiences inside of that deli, it was that one guy that got under our skin that totally flipped the script. And that's what I want to work with businesses on because I truly believe that marketing is a game of memorization because we have to experience these things over and over again for it to be righted from wrong. Let me give you a really good example. And this is something that I tell a lot of my clients is that the first time I ordered a protein powder from this one company, it got stolen off of my front porch, (laughs) right? I'd spent probably $200 with this brand. So I wanted to try a bunch of different flavors, right? You never know which one you're going to like. And I didn't want to judge <laughs> it off of one flavor form. So I bought like three or four flavors and bought a, uh, bought, bought another supplement with it. It got stolen off of my porch. Right. And mm-hmm. I sent, I sent their customer support team an email. I said, Hey, I'm a first time purchaser. Uh, I bought a bunch of product from you guys. I was at work late working and I knew a package was supposed to come today. I couldn't remember which one, And I didn't think to go home and grab it to prevent somebody from stealing it off of my porch. Unfortunately, somebody did. Um, You know, I'm more than willing to pay for it. But is there a policy inside of your company that helps this in case that happens? And they came back to me and they said, you know what? This has happened to us more in the last six months than you would believe. And our owners wanted us to let everybody know that this happened to that we're willing to cover the cost of this for you. No questions asked, no problem. We'll ship you something out tomorrow. I That brand loyalty, that that $200 and even less, right? Because it didn't cost them $200 to make it again and ship it to me. You know, it was probably, you know, a fraction of that at most. Gain them a customer for the rest of their life. And it's all because I had that one great experience that'll travel on but it's not that that one experience is the end all, right? They now have to match great experience after great experience with me. It's not giving me free stuff whenever stuff happens, but it's giving me a handwritten thank you note inside of my orders that's totally unique than what nobody else does. It's going into different avenues of marketing outside of just, hey, I'm here to run a Facebook ad to get you for this one purchase. That's where the world's starting to shift to. And it's what I would love to see America get back to, which is this idea that, If I make a friend, I made a sale, right? And even if the sale doesn't happen today, maybe they know somebody. Maybe they can give me a referral to somebody that might open up a door for a conversation to somebody else. Or maybe it's somebody that I can just bring a little bit of happiness to today. 
and shift their state because I truly believe that 99% of people out there in the world are miserable today. So if you can be the business or if you can be the person in your life that brings them happiness and sell them this idea of, you know, being evangelical about optimism or being happy about what the future can hold for us, you're going to become gravitational to those around you. And I think that's the message that we have to start supporting, especially with our businesses here in America, that we stand up and we do the right thing. We're willing to put in the work. Yes, it may cost a little bit more because we have to get the goods here and we have to be able to manufacture it here in the States. But the end product helps everybody. And we can deliver a level of happiness that you can't get from overseas or on a brown Amazon package that you don't know who it came from. I agree. Um, that one experience, you know, that really sets them apart and they have to keep duplicating it, of course. But it helps when they, you have that one great experience because even if throughout the course something is a little awry, you may be willing to be like, okay, that's all right, because I have a greater memory of this good thing. So I'm willing to put up with that little uh, blemish and sure. give them another chance. You know, uh, you, I know you've heard the saying, people rem don't remember what you say. They remember how you make them feel. Yes. You know, so it's the same uh, principle in marketing, of course. I meant to ask you, where on earth were you living where people were stealing your stuff? I live in the birds. <laughs> I live in the birds. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. They were just riding around said, oh, I think we're going to get some Alex juice. <laughs> oh, man, they opened it up and they saw lemon lime flavor. They were like, oh, we're going for a fun tasting joy, aren't we? <laughs> wow. So this is wow. So how, you know, when your parents or whatever and your family knew you were, you know, embarking upon this career, you know, what were what was their reaction? Yeah, you know, I I'm I'm really fortunate. Like I said, I at the beginning, I grew up from a single parent household and my grandparents have been there to help support me. My girlfriend's been here to help support me. We've been going on six and a half years now. So she's seen me uh, slumming it for somebody else, making the eight twenty-five an hour, getting this guy millions of dollars in return in my beginning journey and barely being able to move out of my mom's basement. Um, it's been nothing but love and support, being able to come from a family that, you know, they, they love me for who I am. Yeah, I've got my own flaws, just like we all do. But just having that love and that support has really meant the world because like, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that have made this journey from a lot worse stances in life that I have. They've come from a lot worse struggles. So if they can make it and they can be successful, there's no reason for me to complain on my journey. And what caused you to endure, you know, because you had to endure something, you know, you had a card, you know, some cards stacked against you, uh, you know, one parent home, um, you know, I tell people, you know, it's you can live without uh, one finger miss with one finger missing, but you have a more fulfilled life with all of them. Sure. You know, you know so especially when we're missing a parent or what have you. But what you know, what's that thing within you that just caused you to just keep going, even though, you know, you had certain obstacles in your life? Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of mean to myself in that stance. And it's not necessarily something to where I'm, I'm proud of my answer for this. But um, I, I've trained my brain to look at things as anytime I'm up against a rough situation, 
you know, at any point in time, our business could, you know, completely go under or the hard, hard things I've gone through in life. I look at it as somebody else quit at this very moment. And it's that idea of, could I take one more step and be okay and survive? Yeah, I could. Right. I'm not at death's door anymore. I've been there. I've seen what I, what I saw in my experience and what I experienced through that. And I'm here for a reason because of that. So I think I would be doing all the previous struggle that I've done in injustice if I ever quit on that journey. Not saying I won't pivot, not saying that it's not smart to pivot when certain life things happen, but to totally quit and give up on the journey, I feel like all that suffering would have been for nothing. Wow, that's a great outlook. That's a great outlook. Um, There's always a brighter day if you just keep going, you know. Do you know any great story that doesn't come with tragedy or struggle at the beginning? Mm. None. Always have to overcome something. Always. It's human's greatest achievement. It's our ability to adapt and constantly overcome. True. So where can people uh, find you? Uh, Are you on social media or anything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for asking. I've, we just relaunched our podcast, which we, uh, we restructured and kind of took a different approach to, which is called NeuroHive, N-U-E-R-O-Hive, H-I-V-E. And then inside of that, we're talking everything around neuromarketing. So if what we talked about today kind of piqued your interest of, hey, I want to go learn about how to help that with my business or implement um, some different business development strategies, you can find us there. But my most active social media platform is Instagram. You can find me at alex.vonderhaar, V-O-N-D-E-R-H-A-A-R. You'll see me. I, I look uh, super weird. I've got like a nebula kind of floating around me and behind me. Uh, but that's a good way to find me and get in contact. What's your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? I wish that everybody would understand that life is too long not to be a lifelong student. It doesn't matter what it is. There's always something more for us to learn and you never know what that's going to be. So I challenge all my employees, all my clients, all my friends, uh, and and they all know it because I'll call them out on it. They've not been learning something in their life. They're robbing themselves of happiness. Some of the best, and this is why I love playing guitar, is every time I go to learn a new song, I'm back to being a novice in some way. This idea that I can constantly be learning and evolving new techniques and new skills keeps the mind sharp and keeps the body in a state of a state of childhood in a way. This idea that we're always learning, we're always asking why, why does this work? How does that happen? And it keeps this childlike spirit alive in all of us. And I feel like if we can just tap into that a few times a day, or just if you're learning something new, you're tapping into something that most people have forgotten to dig into in their lives. But it's not that it was ever lost. It just got suppressed by doing other things that don't necessarily add up to what we want to achieve in life. So if you can be a lifelong student, take five minutes a day to tap into that childhood sense of wonder and curiosity to learn something, you're going to find more happiness and more fulfillment out of your life. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.